Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to the Super Wild Card Weekend edition of Please Bet on Football Games. I'm going to be your host this time, Joe. Alex is in and out of the pod because of some school obligations. And later in the podcast, we're going to be bringing in my good buddy, Alonzo Cervera. Uh, he's written some good stuff for the Draft Network. And if you follow me on Twitter, I retweet his stuff like every week. So go check him out on Twitter. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. We're going to jump right into it. It's going to be a little choppy, but the analysis is really good. And we ended up coming out with five bets. One of them's a teaser. We have a, we have a PDFG playoff teaser. We have three bets that I actually really like and one that I kind of like for the fun of it. All right, without further ado, let's get to some games. In our first game on Saturday in the 3 o'clock hour, we have the Seattle Seahawks going to play the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are minus 10. Okay, do you have any sense of this? Like, obviously the 49ers are a lockdown leg. Correct. But the reason basically is just that the Seahawks have a decent defense in some ways. Like, their secondary's got spots, their pass rush is okay, but they can't stop the run at all, and the 49ers are just going to do that Yeah. all day. Yeah, they're going, uh, the 49ers I'm not going to say they're going to have an easy time because... I will. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) I think it it, it won't be hard, uh, but I think the the Seahawks might be able to score a couple points that the 49ers are like, oh, yeah, this is a football game. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't think the 49ers are going to be wanting for too too much offense. You know what I'm actually really worried about for the Seahawks' sake is just... The one, so Geno Smith has fallen off a cliff in the last month or two, right? He has. The one redeeming quality of his game is that he can throw a deep ball, especially up the seam, really, really, really well. But you can't throw a deep ball against cover three, especially because the 49ers, what they may lack in their secondary, they have really good safety. They do. So you can't throw deep up the seam. Hell, you can't really throw deep against cover three at all. What what the fuck option do they have? They can try to run the ball, but I don't want to run at Nick Bosa and Teron Armstead, or not Teron Armstead. <laughs> Is it Eric? Armand was the one who almost signed with the Bears out of the Montreal Alouettes, and then he had, like, a diseased leg tire. Yeah, I remember that. Totally. I do. They were um, saying he was going to be a freak defensive tackle, and I was super excited. And then his little brother was even better, and then Armand never played, so I stuck with Eric, who's just, you know, pro. I was about to say, he's just, like, very good. Yes, yeah, so he can't run... You can't throw deep, and Geno Smith's not good enough to throw short all day. I, I think they'll get a couple of shot plays throughout the game just because... Inevitability. Yeah, and with DK and Tyler Lockett, like even when the 49ers have good safeties... That's a lot to ask of them to be able to cover those guys throughout the entire game. So I think the the Seahawks will get some deep plays, but yeah, it's it's a leg, man. Like the 49ers should clean up and this game should last like 90 minutes because it's just running the entire time. If you had to lean with the spread, what do you do? I mean, this this feels sick, but I probably lean 49ers. I certainly lead in 49ers because last year we learned a thing that I gave myself a reminder in my phone so that we would remind ourselves. Could that you do that. It was also really well uttered right there. I, that was super fucking eloquent of me. Um, the thing is that in the wild card round, the good teams cover large spreads and we shouldn't be afraid of the spreads because they have absolutely no incentive to take it easy. Yeah. Whereas in the regular season, good teams are typically playing left-handed, whether it's to preserve their health or to hide their card. So if we think it's 
team is much better, we should not be too totally afraid of the number. Um, I strongly lean San Francisco, but I won't go further. I will make it a leg. Yeah, I think leg is a smart way to do it. I mean, like, I agree they should, if, if you're picking one team, it's the 49ers. Yeah. But it's still minus 10. Yeah, it's also, it's, uh... It's dropping. It's only nine and a half. It's about to be nine yeah. and a half, but I don't know how much that matters. Yeah, no, I, it's not even good teaser fodder because it's still going to be three and a half. Although, I, you know what? I think I would break my rule and do long teasers this week. Or, I mean, I would extend past long teasers. So, typically, I only want to do a teaser if it's if I'm getting from anywhere from six to nine, getting down to under three, right? Mm-hmm. So, you want to cross through six and you want to cross through. Those are the two big numbers that matter. If you're crossing both of those numbers it's called a wong teaser or an advantage teaser those are typically the only kinds that you want to play that being said in the playoffs we've said that typically favorites cover more often on bigger spreads than they would in the regular season mm-hmm. dude i think the fucking 49ers are going to win by more than a touchdown to field goal ratio because that's what minus three and a half means that your team scores a touchdown when the other team scores a field that's basically it yeah i think that's a fucking if that if that were the case the seahawks would be extremely proud of them. definitely and geno smith would get a huge extent yes if they keep it close at all so I think that SF is a perfectly viable teaser. I think so as well. Especially once, now that it's down to nine and a half, or when it's about to drop to nine and a half. All right. Well, let's move on. Saturday night? Saturday night. Are we going to be able to watch this game, or are we going... Is, how long is that... Okay, just wondering. We got plans on Saturday. Oh, fuck, I got to discuss with that. I got things to discuss. Yeah, I know. Time. It's, it's going to be one yeah. that I am also ill-prepared for. I don't know how to dress like an 80s skier, so I was kind of thinking that I would dress like an 80s coke-doing metal guy, because cocaine is like skiing. There you go. You know, just if we're doing costume and playing pretend and not at all real. Right, absolutely. So the second game, the Saturday night game, also features a Bosa. It does. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are plus two. Yeah, this line is bouncing everywhere between Pickham and three. So honestly, if you if you shop around and you're patient, you'll find whatever number you fucking want. You just got to pick the winner, and I can't. <laughs> Uh, it, I I would lean Chargers. Same, but wh- why are you afraid? Because I think that I think that the fears are what's most valuable to explore. I mean, the Chargers are still just I don't trust them at all. No. My issue with them is that I feel like at any moment they could completely implode, give up forty points, not throw the ball past ten yards, and just be awful. Yep. But they're the more talented team. They have the better quarterback. They have you know at least some experience being in. In tough games like this, and they've been—they do have big game experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't been in the the playoffs with this crew, but <laughs> they've had way too many must-win games. Yes, they've had a ton of them. Whereas the Jags ha- have been kind of like the the frisky underdog all gear. Well, they had one must-win game last week against the practice squad of the Titans, and it like look, I made some good money betting Jags money line live, but fuck, that was not an impressive showing. No. And and they are a very young team. That plays like it. Yeah. They are mistake prone. Yes. They, any game that I watch with them, it's like no matter what the score is, you don't feel safe. They will always fumble. Yeah. Um, but they're they're also talented. And like Trevor Lawrence has really turned it on the second half of the year. Peterson, is he's got the boys rolling. And they can be very good. Yeah. No, they absolutely can be. Okay. One of our axioms is that scheme fades in the play 
right? Which one of these teams relies more on scheme? It has to be the Jaguars by simple virtue of the Chargers scheme is so bad that it hurts them. I was going to say, I mean, if anything, this argument just means that we should be higher on the Chargers because they're not going to be as beholden to their eight yards and less uh, throw downfield. That's like exactly, exactly. So on one hand, you've got that. On the other hand, uh, this year, part of the theme of this year has been football has gotten so bad, bet on the better lines, right? Yeah. Joey Bosa's back and he's had a couple weeks to work himself back into shape because don't tell Browns fans this, it doesn't take a year and a half to get back into shape after missing time. Uh, some people can do it in a week or two. So you've got Khalil Mack and granted, he's like a B defensive end, but he's mm-hmm. a good, he's a fine, good defensive end. He should start yeah. on every team. Absolutely. Most every team. If any team had Khalil Mack at a $1 million contract, they'd find a way to get him on the field for like 20 to 50% of the snap. Yes. Joey Bosa is still a really good pass rusher. Yes. Say what you will about his run game, you know, prowess. I don't know. But as a pass rusher, really good. And then they've been playing Kyle Van Noy at defensive tackle lately, but it's been working. Like in passing situations. But, you know, it's a creative way to get a pass rusher blitzing. Sebastian Joseph Day has been a perfectly fine defensive tackle, and Morgan mm-hmm. Fox has been a perfectly fine defensive tackle. So their their defensive line is, at the very least, solid. Yeah. yeah. You know, a little bit of Brown stuff going on, but they took a little bit of the edge talent and put it into defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Dude, the fucking Jaguars offensive line sucks. Yeah, it's awful. Like, okay, so Brandon Scherf is good, mm-hmm. but he's having a down year. Then you've got uh, this Fortner kid, their center, Luke Fortner. He's a rookie out of Kentucky. PFF has him at a 49 group. Now, PFF's not the end-all be-all, no. but they're pretty good with line play, especially offensively. So, Sheriff is 59, Fortner is 49. Uh, Jawan Taylor, their right tackle out of Florida, has a 58.7. Now, that's misleading because his pass block rate is 76. His run block rate is 39. He cannot run block whatsoever. Which is kind of what you expected coming out of Florida, actually. He was like a big fat ass that was just hard to move, but actually not very good ball. Uh, so naturally a first round pick. Yes, as as is tradition. Their left tackle is Walker Little, who I actually like a little bit. Uh-huh. Walker Little was a five-star recruit who was supposed to be a first round pick until like every Stanford player, his knees and legs fell apart because apparently in Stanford, they just don't understand how to stretch or something. Never seen a lion stretch. Dude, you, you joke, but David Shaw is dumb enough that I could hear him saying some <laughs> shit like that. Also, like, uh, they do all the time. Like, animals stretch <laughs> like, all animals the time. Animals literally only, yeah, like, especially cats. Like, yeah. yoga his name poses after how much they love to stretch. Yeah, like it's, they, they wake up and they're like, oh, you know, I need to move to the other room. Let's get some quick stretching in. Yeah, right? Like, does this, has John Brown, Equinemius's and Amon Ra's dad, has he's not had a pet? He's never had a pet? Yeah, he's he's just watching the wrong part of the nature, Doc. Uh, so, finally, their left guard is Tyler Shetley, who has a 60. So, nobody on their offensive line has above a 61. That's <laughs> awful, man. That's so bad. Uh-huh. And you're playing against a pretty good DL. Yeah. Also, I've been doing some, uh, well, I've been collaborating a little bit with my good friend from PFF, Arjun Menanon. I probably said that completely wrong, but he's a good dude. And he puts together a chart that he posts to Twitter every couple weeks of which defenses quarterbacks are producing against. And he does it by EPA per play. So like, maybe it's not the best way to gauge, you know, this quarterback can handle this defense, but it certainly is a good way to measure how this team is performing against a particular defense. Okay. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars are a pretty damn good offense, but the defenses that they struggle most against, cover four, cover six, and cover three. Now, what does that mean for all you non-film geeks out there? Those are the softer cover. They're zones, they give you more cushion at the line of scrimmage, and they just try to take away the deep stuff. That's what Brandon Staley got fucking hired on. He is the cover four god. Yeah, that's a good point, because we talk about the, the Jags' inability to just play clean, like they're always going to make some stupid mistake, and you're now playing a defense that's 
says, we don't think you can drive down the field before making some stupid mistakes. Exactly. So giving Trevor Lawrence more opportunities to make the boneheaded miss, the, you know, young quarterback interception, or God forbid, any of their players to fumble because they love to do it. They really enjoy fumbling. And finally, I think that the Chargers defense actually matches up really well in the secondary against the Jaguars because like part of the Jaguars thing is that they just don't really have a true number one wide receiver. I love Christian Kirk, but he's no one. Part of the reason he's not a one is because he's fucking small. He's like 5'10". He's very quick. He's got solid hands. He's very crafty, but you know, there's only so much you can do when you're so small. Asante Samuel Jr. is a corner who's like 5'9". He's really quick. He's got good ball skills. He's a solid player, but there's only so much you can do when you're 5'9". Mm-hmm. Perfect. Matchup. On the outside, the Chargers have struck gold with Michael Davis, who like just transformed from a practice squad player into like a kind of good starting corner. The one knock on Michael Davis, it's not so fast. He's more of a big-bodied possession type of guy. Mark Introducing Jones. Zay Jones. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could go Marvin Jones too, but it's typically Zay this year. Zay Jones is a six-foot-two wide receiver who runs a four-five. He is well. He's not. He doesn't even have great hands because he drops a lot of balls. He's just he can make spectacular catches and he's fairly crafty. It's a perfect matchup. So like to the extent that the Chargers can handle any team on defense, they can handle this. Yeah. It's purely going to come down to can the Chargers execute their offense against the Jaguars. And I think they can. Yeah, I agree. And I think they'll get some easy opportunities off of some turnovers or just general Jags mistake. Jagging off. Yeah. Um. So the the Chargers won't have to do like 80-yard drives every every time. And even if they do, their second cornerback is still Darius Will, the undrafted dude who sucked ass for the Rams. After. I remember Remember him. PFF had him as the second-rated corner like two years ago? Because we would check in and do uh, an early version of PFF What the the fuck <laughs> and go how is this guy still ranked this high and we would watch rams games and be like where is it coming from yeah because <laughs> every time they're giving up yards it's his ass and then you're gonna match his by the way he's only five nine so you're gonna match his tiny shitty ass up with one of mike williams is he, is he playing? Is he healthy? They said he should. They they said he should play. Mm-hmm. I saw that as well, but I never I never know anymore. I mean, with Mike Williams, you never know mm-hmm. ever. But he's supposed to play, and fuck if he can just walk his six four ass across from Darius Williams down the field. He's six four. He's got six inches on this guy. Yes, and is already a good jump ball, dude. You don't even need to jump. Maybe he's hurt. Don't make him jump. Just reach. Just reach above him like a dad. So, yeah, that's a mismatch. And then to the extent that Mike Williams can't go, you still have Keenan Allen, who's 6'2", and has great ball skills. Yep. Now, it's, it'll be a little tough with Tyson Campbell, who is 6'1", and has good movement skills, and is a solid corner. I think he's getting a lot of love that he doesn't deserve this year, because uh, PFF has him rated as the fifth graded corner. Now, Hell yeah. We just went over why that doesn't matter. But Tyson Campbell, I mean, coming out of Georgia, I was impressed. I wasn't thrilled with him, but I was impressed. Mm-hmm. I had early second round grade on him. That's where he went. I thought it was... You have mismatches and advantages in the wide receivers and defensive back. My favorite is Gerald Gerald Everett, the tight end for the Chargers, is 6'4". He's fast, and he is going to either be going up against Devin Lloyd, the 24-year-old rookie out of Utah, who has a 48 PFF grade and a 35 coverage grade. I was about to say, tell me the coverage, because it can't be good. I uh, I didn't mind Devin Lloyd coming out of college. Like, I wouldn't have drafted him, because I don't like drafting linebackers that aren't freak athletes very high. But, you know, he's a second, third-round player. 
solid fine player, it is not working. It's one of the rare times where PFF nailed it. His coverage skills, he looked really good his first three weeks or so. And then there was just one game where he got really abused. And since then, it's been terrible. Like, it's one of the like, you know it's bad when every film guy you follow on Twitter has at a separate time in a separate game for a separate reason been like, yo, does Devin Lloyd know what he's supposed to do? Like, did he, did somebody tell him the play? And now we understand why he stayed in college for eight. Yeah. And then the other linebacker is Foye Aluakong, who is great at racking up tackles, but not actually good at playing linebacker in space. So neither of these dudes can cover. Neither of these dudes is athletic enough to cover, even if they knew how to cover. I think Gerald Everett will have a nice day, splitting the safeties, getting behind the linebacker, and every single third down, the Chargers will run their Hank concept, where it's three receivers running curls to the sticks, the tight end going on the flat to the right, the running back going on the flat to the left, and they will check it down to the tight end, and he will create. Uh, and then finally, just, dude, the, the Chargers are kind of healthy on the offensive line. They, um, they're not getting Slater back yet. He comes back next say, week. He was the name that I saw that they were like, ooh, he's getting ready. They activated, but they're not going to play him until next Okay. Still, they're going to have Corey Lindsley, great center. Mm-hmm. They're going to have Zion Johnson, great guard out of Boston College. I mean, not great. His, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed in his rookie season, but he's a fine guard. Mm-hmm. And it's not like uh, Roy Robertson-Harris of Bears fame is going to destroy him up. Matt Filer has his warts as a left guard, but he's fine, and he's a better pass blocker than he is a run, run blocker. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with him going against Arden Key, all 220 pounds of him. People that size don't play defensive tackle for a reason. Trayvon Walker has not shown me anything, and I don't think that he'll have a particularly great day going against his old teammate Jamari Salier, who I think has actually been a pretty good tackle. Uh, Trayvon Walker has like two plays a game where it's like, oh shit, there's the guy. Yep. Um, and he will blow up any tight end. Yeah, <laughs> which he should. He but... should. Like, don't put your tight end on a power, powerful defensive end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the general, general rule, Trayvon Walker has not been very exciting this year. The The Chargers are in a good spot, man. I feel like everything we've kind of come down to is that they have advantages in a lot of areas. I think the only true area where they have a disadvantage is coaching, but we worry less about that in the playoffs. And then there is one thing. I have one reason for hope, and it's not that rational. Okay. It's rational. It's just not rational enough for me to be calm. Fair. We've only seen Brandon Staley and these Chargers coach in one playoff effect against the Raiders last year. And that yes. Raiders team was better than this Raiders team on defense at the because yes. they had a couple players in the secondary who could mm-hmm. Not well, but they could run. Um, in that game, the Chargers put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands more than usual. They threw the ball downfield more than usual. Third and long, fourth and long, didn't give a fuck, threw the ball downfield, and Herbert was a god because he is a Theoretically, because the Chargers are healthy, they have their players back, they're in a must-win game because it's the fucking playoffs, I could see Staley and Lombardi opening shit up a little, putting their balls down and their pedal to the wall. I did that on purpose. Sorry. Yeah, totally. It was on purpose. It's an inside joke we have. It was on purpose after the first half. When I said they're putting their balls down, I was like, hmm, what can I mix this with to make it sound like I transposed it when I really just fucked? <laughs> anyway, I could see the Chargers really going for the throat, and if they do, it's a classic, it's just like we always say with the Buccaneers, foreshadowing. If this team gets it's decent code. Not good, just decent. They will run rough shot. Right, but how many times have we said that and then watched them lose? Counterpoint, we said that 
all last year for the Bucks, and then in the playoffs, they kind of did turn it up. They did. And the year before, we said that all year for the Bucks, and then in the playoffs, they certainly did turn it up. Now, I, it is worth mentioning that only one of these teams has Tom Brady. Justin Herbert is better than Tom Brady. But does he have that, that boogeyman effect like Tom Brady does? On the other team, no. On his team, yes. Yeah, that's fair. Because um, I think that definitely aids Tom, and that people are also like, ah, shit. It's Tom Brady's coming. Yeah. Right, and this is his time. Perception is reality. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about this one plenty, and <laughs> we know what bet we want to make. I've been I've been trying to convince myself to make this bet all week, and I think I finally. Yeah, let's let's go Chargers. All right, San Diego Chargers. Right now, they're my bet by default. <laughs> All right, we're going to do a little mid-podcast change. Sorry for the mix-up, but Alex had to go run and do some important school stuff. We're going to bring in Alonzo of week, I don't know, 15 fame. Alonzo stepped in when Alex had to do finals in early December, and he's back today to help me break down the Sunday and Monday night games. Despite the fact that I called upon him on short notice, we had some really good talks about the actionable games, obviously, All right, I'm just going to say it. We're not going to talk about Bill's Dolphins. It's going to be a blowout, and I don't think it's even worth detailing. With Tua, I think it's a blowout. With Skylar Thompson, who's been just terrible, no, I'm not talking about it. That said, let's get to the other games. Giants and Vikings in Minnesota, indoors, weather doesn't matter. And I think the Vikings are still laying three, although it's it's pushing two and a half. What a fucking... This, this, this line is just Vegas fuckery. And <laughs> I don't feel... I, I feel disgusting betting on this game, What's, what's regardless your, of side. What's your lean to start off before we workshop? Uh, my lean is Minnesota. Yep, same. Because I, for all of the public perception of Minnesota being this like fraudulent team and, you know, them not essentially like everything about their point differential. First of all, their point differential is a little bit skewed by that uh, Packers game, obviously. But I think them winning 11 one-score games might be a signal that they're good it it might not it might not be just pure luck it's obviously a little bit of luck but it might not be purely uh purely luck well you know it might be a signal that's actually a good point because like so these teams played on like christmas right week 16 yeah somewhere around there yeah christmas eve and yeah and it was um it was a one score game it was a three-point game except it wasn't fucking really because the only reason it was a three-point game is that the giants drove and got a touchdown and two-point conversion to tie at the last second yeah like yep and and they were aided by a couple of shall we say fortunate penalties to get so yes not all one score games are the same and sure it's it's a really useful like heuristic like it's really nice for as a rule of thumb like oh they got all these one score games they probably got lucky if you go through the vikings games they got lucky against the bills they, they should have lost that game they got lucky against the dolphins they probably should have lost that game you could argue maybe one or two other games here and there be it detroit or if you're suck no honestly no you can't argue with the Colts game they were lucky they were so unlucky to be losing that game at any point they were on yeah yeah they were unlucky to be down 33 to nothing so (laughs) 
So, okay, you add three losses. They're still a 10-win team. So, yes, they're very overrated for a 13-win team. For a th- yes. But yes. the Giants, by the way, we spent half the season bitching about how the Giants didn't deserve to be 7-2. and two. So we've got a fraudulent 13-win team against a fraudulent 9-win team. The 13-win yes. team is at home and doesn't have Daniel Jones playing quarterback. Yeah, and I, you're right. I, I don't believe in in the Giants one bit. I think there is a talent disparity between these two teams. I bottom line, like if you want to bottom line my my lean, it's essentially that, right? Like, yeah, you can say Dable and Dable might be a better coach than Kevin O'Connell. Sure, I, I could rent you that. They're both really good coaches. They're both really good coaches, but if, if you want to say Dable is better, sure, I could grant you that. Mm-hmm. But the rosters are not close. the The talent disparity is humongous between the, these two teams. The Vikings are going to have the, the Vikings have home field, and I like to me it just it comes down to that. I, I don't. I think the Giants are going to be a very popular pick by people yeah. this week, yeah. and I'm strongly fading that because the Giants are they're a public team, and I don't I don't like that. <laughs> I I very much don't like that. I also don't I I don't like the players on their team. I like their defensive line. You know, I like some of the pieces on their defense. They have good a good skeletal outline of players to build on. It was a great sort of first season for them to build their culture and you know it'll be a good sort of experience and rallying try to build their team it's a stepping it reminds me of exactly it's a stepping stone season it reminds me of the bills first season under mcdermott the tyra taylor year yep but for hell it isn't even the josh allen versus deshaun watson they got a little better but they weren't there yet yeah it takes time it does i don't think they're ready yet i think the vikings yeah, they made that Hawkinson trade. They're, just, they're a talented team. They're really, you look at the players on this offense, how they got you, talent everywhere. How do you stop Irv Smith and TJ Hawkinson when you don't have a safety or a linebacker worth shit? What are you going to do? So th- this is this is my, okay, the Vikings are a good offense. Nobody needs to get into it, right? Like they got a solid offensive line. They got a decent quarterback. Justin Jefferson's a fucking freak. And Dalvin Cook's a good running, right? And like Thielen, Hawkinson, Irv Smith, they're all great complimentary weapons. I don't think any Anybody disagrees. The Vikings have a better offense on personnel alone than the Giants do. It's not close. Now you could say that Dable mitigates some of that. I would say Dable's a great offensive coach, you know, and Mike Kafka calling plays. But I would say that Kevin O'Connell is a really good one. So the discrepancy is not that big. It's not that big. Regardless, the the Achilles heel of the Vikings is their defense, which chugs penis. Problem: the Giants' defense is predicated on crafty coordinating, which good coaches like Kevin O'Connell, especially with a large runway to plan can overcome. Like when it comes down to offensive genius and defensive genius, if they're on like equal planes, offensive genius is going to win because the game is built for offensive genius to win. So at least in this day and age, the only way the Giants win is if their defense outclasses the Vikings defense, which does suck. But the Giants defense has been predicated on crafty coaching, which we already talked about, and then dominant defensive line play because Lawrence is... Dexter Lawrence is a freak. I The uh, the NFLPA just released their all-pro selections for the first time, which differentiates between defensive tackle and nose tackle, which I think is smart. And he's the all-pro nose tackle, and you'd have to be fucking psycho to disagree. Like, he's probably one of three nose tackles that really matters right now in the NFL, like on a down-to-down basis. Yep. 
And then Leonard Williams, it's Leonard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they have Leonard. Leonard Williams is a really good defensive tackle in his own right. He's the reclamation project from the Jets. Yes. Yes. Because they had Leonard Williams and then they also had, um, who's the one that the Jets still have? Quinnen. Exactly. Uh, regardless. So they have really good defensive tackles. And admittedly, the Vikings in so- interior offensive line is the shakier portion of their blocking scheme. But BJ. We'll see team. what the Vikings have at center too this week. That's an important component of this. Oh, Bradbury is bad. That He's is, back. That, that, it looks like it. Let's see. Confirmed. I don't think it's confirmed. Uh, let's see. Vikings IR for Brian O'Neill. Uh, Bradbury's questionable. Okay. Let's see what a quick Google search does. Back at practice. Limited. Okay. Yeah. Practice. Uh, he'll play. Showed encouraging signs as of an hour. He's playing. Yeah, he'll play. So they're going to have their center, which helps with lining up protections and everything. And then BJ Ojolari has not popped. He's not. He's like a replacement caliber player right now. And Aziz. Yeah. Oh, BJ's his brother at LSU. Dude, I'm getting so bad yeah. with games. I used to make fun of Michael Lombardi <laughs> all the fucking time. And now like I, I hit my late 20s and I can't do names. Yeah. I'll tell you where he went to school. It's tough. And what his dad's name is, but I don't know names anymore. But uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, I know that name because he's a piece yeah. of shit. He's come on a lot lately in the last month. Like, he's blossoming in the last month. It's been month. outstanding. Yeah, but he's not fucking doing shit against Derisaw. And Derisaw's That is true. Derisaw, last time they played, Derisaw was like limping through the game. Now he's yep. fully fucking healthy. So, you know, and Udo has looked all right in relief of uh, O'Neal at right tackle. Brian O'Neal, Pitt. See, I still got some of it. There we go. But uh, I, so I think that Kirk's going to have plenty of time back there. Again, the linebackers are weak. And now with Irv Smith, I'm so excited to see what Kevin O'Connell is going to cook up out of 12 personnel with Hawkinson and Irv Smith on the field at the same time. It'll be, I'm curious because I like Osborne and I, I mean, obviously them out of 11, that's kind of their base stuff. It is. So I'm curious just what the sort of, um, fucking cut the silence, what the, um, what the split is between uh, 11, 12, and 21 for them, because I know they still play ham. They do. I'm tr- I'm just curious how that ends up, uh, how they end up using their personnel, if the game script is positive for them, of course. Listen, I, I think they'll stay in 11, because it's not like Darnay Holmes in the slot is scaring me off of having three receivers out there. Right? And that's, that's yeah. the other thing to the room. I love Adore Jackson. I think he's massively underrated and has been for years. He can't hang with Justin Jefferson. Good, good luck against Jefferson. Yeah. Like, Jefferson, even- I, this feels like a Jefferson just like welcome to the playoffs and yeah no like yeah, he goes for 150 yards as good as Adderay Jackson is if he plays his ass off best case scenario he's still like four inches shorter than Justin Jefferson and the same speed yeah. there's just not that much it's it's like when the it's like when the Bengals play the Patriots on Christmas or Christmas Eve or whatever the fuck and like Marcus Jones against T Higgins yeah Marcus Jones is awesome but there's only so much you can do when the guy can literally just reach over you like a father like there's yeah, nothing you that can one do. that one was unfair that one was five eight on six five yeah <laughs> the genius of bill belichick yeah yeah defensive genius don't get me started and then fabian moreau is their second corner first of all fabian moreau should not be a second corner on anybody's team anymore and he's six foot so like jefferson's gonna have the moss advantage on top of being a top five route runner in the nfl with like top five hands in the nfl jefferson's just a freak it's tough to stop him if you're a good corner with good size if you're a bad corner with good size you're fucked if you're a good corner with no size you're fucked so i just don't know how they match up and then again hawkinson i'm just seeing visions of hawkinson and irv smith sneaking out into the fucking seam eight yards downfield right past the linebackers because the linebackers are the corpse of Jalen Smith's third knee. I am 
I have been so shocked every time I turn on a Giants game and I see Jalen Smith running out there. Like the fact that they have Jalen Smith and Fabian Moreau or Foster Moreau, Foster Moreau's the tight end. See, it happens to me too. Yep. Fabian Moreau um, running out there on defense. Like it is incredible that this team is in the playoffs. Dude, it's incredible that Jalen Smith can walk. That is also true. He should have been a top five pick at Notre Dame if he didn't fuck up all the nerves, not just the ligaments, but also the nerves. The nerves. In in a bowl game. And then he finally comes back like two years after being drafted and he's good. And then his knee falls apart again. And now he's limping around out there being, I guess you could call him a replacement level linebacker next to Micah McFadden. Have you heard of him? You shouldn't have. No, I have not. I have not either, but he's got a 38 PFF grade and a 30 coverage grade. So I'm going to assume you can run seams past him too. Yeah, I'm going to assume Kevin O'Connell is going to abuse the middle of the field against them. And he's going to, uh, I just, I, I see Justin, I, I have visions of Justin Jefferson, like yeah, the tweets from all those hype beast accounts, like the fucking points bet sportsbook yep. account saying Justin Jefferson today, 12 Justin receptions. Jefferson is him. Justin Jefferson is him. 12 receptions, 237 yards, three touchdowns. People posting the Randy Moss picture from like 98. Yeah. Yep. No, it's exactly what it's going to be. I, again, I think that the line value matters because the Vikings are prone to close games. So go out of your way to try to find minus two and a half rather than three. But again, like... No, I've been I've been riding the Vikings saying like people have overcorrected on them all year and I hate the Giants. And one of my okay, this is neither here nor there. But last week, a good friend of the podcast, Restore the Roar, was telling me he thinks Daniel Jones is awesome and he's going to be great if he ever gets some wide receivers. So I said, oh, fuck, here we go again. And I graded 12 (laughs) Daniel Jones games that day. Is that obsessive? Yes. Is it healthy? No, but I did it and now we're here. So I graded all of his games and I came away thinking same thing I thought last year, which is this guy is okay at some stuff. I get his deep ball sucks, but his intermediate ball is kind of good and the rest of it is pretty low end Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you know, not good, but not bad. Like, you can play him. So I texted my buddy from college, who's a, uh, he's a New Yorker. He's a big Giants fan. I said, what do you think of Daniel Jones? Just trying to get a vibe for, like, what the sentiment is around town. And he and his buddies that I used to drink with when I lived out in Manhattan started telling me about how Daniel Jones is a top six quarterback. Oh. The only guys better are Burrow, Lamar, Herbert, Allen, Mahomes, and maybe Hurts. Oh. So we're not going to address everything in that, but, uh, (laughs) sir, sir, if that is what the public sentiment is in New York, that is large enough to move a market a point on its own. I am, I am comfortable taking the Viking. Yeah. Uh, and we, I want to say, I'm going to be big on the giants when they get real players. And that might happen as soon as this off season, because I love the coaching. I love again, what, um, but some of the building blocks I already have on the team. I, I, I like, uh, obviously we mentioned the guys they have on the defensive line. Uh, they have building blocks on the offensive line. Andrew Thomas is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Evan Neal can't Evan stay Neal, forever. Evan Neal can't stay this bad forever. Yeah, and Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas was bad early yeah. in his career. Yep. So Evan Neal might end up being good replacement level at some sure. point. Who knows? Um I it, nothing else on their offense is really anything of significance unless they re-sign Darius Slayton. Yes, I was going to say, say my boy Darius Slayton. Yeah, I love him. Sa- Saquon, Saquon, it will be back, and that's something. 
I guess. He's good in but, the passing game. Yeah, he's good in the passing game. Uh, he may, he creates explosives. I shouldn't say that Saquon's nothing. Saquon's something. He creates explosives. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when they get real players on a Brian Dable coach team, I oh. will be big on this team. I am not big on this team right now because they do not have real and have like their wide receivers right now are Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, and Darius Slayton. And man, you can like you can be big on Darius Slayton. If he is my wide receiver one and my wide receiver two is Isaiah Hodgins, my wide receiver three is Richie James. My tight end is Dan Bellinger. Not to be confused with Cody. To be confused with Cody? Brother. Yeah. And I don't know. Their interior offensive line is a fucking shit show. Their Feliciano. interior offensive line, it's funny because Feliciano and Glowinski, those are just your classic, like, we need to evaluate Daniel Jones this year. So we need to sign guys who are NFL bodies. Yes. That is why they brought in Feliciano and Glowinski to just sign NFL bodies. We need our offense to be able to function. Maybe not well, but yes. like literally just the, just function, function. That's kind of the it's funny. Originally that was the the golf story. Yep. We need our offense to fucking function. We need to evaluate everyone else on this offense. And then and now they might not draft a quarterback early because of golf, which is funny. I'm I'm praying that that whole Lions keeping like sticking with golf thing is just a, a PR stunt for them to tell their fans like, yo, we don't like the quarterbacks in this draft. So just like chill. We'll get Drake May. We'll get Caleb Williams. Just chill. But if one more person tells me that Jared Goff is good because he threw for 4,000 yards, I think I'm going to take a real short walk out of this fucking Bay window of mine. If they legit, if, if they are legitimately just going to ride with Jared Goff, well, if they're riding with Jared Goff and they lose Ben Johnson, they're just going to be back to being the fucking Lions. I agree. Don't tell Restore the Roar. He thinks Dan Campbell can call plays also nearly as well. No. I don't I don't, I don't believe it either, but you know what? He was early on Ben Johnson, so I'll give him a little deference, but yeah, no. Uh, I, that's true. Yeah. I, I wouldn't bet against the Lions if that were the case, but I certainly wouldn't be betting on. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Paul plays as well as Ben Johnson, really? Oh. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody's going to. I mean, dude, here's a list. Ben of, Johnson's a savant. Here's a list of people who call plays better than Ben Johnson today. Andy Reid, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan. That's it. And even Mike McDaniel is. Dude. Mike I, McDaniel I, had the benefit of, of a, you know, the best skill player in the game and Jalen Waddle too. I counterpoint Tua. He made made Tua a sensation. That's true. I mean, that's put him in the Hall of Fame for that. But that's true. We've I think we've sufficiently moved ourselves off of this game. Should we do both Cincinnati? Sure, we should. I I see one betting angle for this game, Mm -hmm. and there is um actually I don't the spread opened up. I think it's six and a half. It's probably way higher now. Yeah, now it's already at Cincinnati minus nine and a half on the way to ten. Lord. Yeah. It was Lord. eight last night. It's already moved a point. It's gonna get to ten. Yeah. I was gonna say a teaser. Like a teaser here. It's gone. I don't need like if I can just grab I, just give me Cincinnati, man. I don't even care what the um the value is, what the points are. Tyler Huntley is uh, we saw Anthony Brown last week. Anthony Brown is bad, right? Anthony- 
he's terrible. He was a bad college player. He was a bad college player. He might have been the worst quarterback to start an NFL game this season. All of that is fair. Tyler Huntley's not much better. And that was, I think, one of, if I'm being honest, one of the weaker points of your evaluations was like the comparison between Huntley and Lamar Jackson, where I am not a Lamar Jackson fan either, to be very clear about that. And I do think that if the Ravens plugged in a just insert running quarterback into that offense, right? The second round pick from this year's draft, a third round pick, the offense would be probably 90%, 95% as effective. Just Tyler Huntley's not that guy. No, Tyler Huntley, honestly, and, and you're totally right. I have never been so disappointed in the play I've seen from a guy in his first year to his second. Last year, Tyler Huntley looked like a more polished passer than Lamar who could also run pretty well. This year, he doesn't run at all, and his passing is terrible. Now, I know that he's really banged up and, like, not practicing because he's hurt or whatever, but it's so bad. Like, it's painful to watch. That Sunday night game against the Steelers, mm-hmm. I have no words for that. That was fucking ghastly. Impotent. Impotent. They, Good Lord. Half the game, I was upset that they wouldn't throw the ball downfield or let Tyler Hunt run. And then I realized, well, they're not going to let him run because if he gets hurt, they're fucked because they got nothing behind him. So he's not going to be able to run. Fine. Towards the end of the game, they had to let him throw downfield. And it was a debacle. It was terrible. Yeah. So, yep. I, again, I don't know what the fuck it is. I didn't... By the way, I didn't like Tyler Huntley coming out of college. I didn't have a draftable grade on it. I just thought it can't be that much worse than Lamar. And they somehow found a guy who can't throw the ball at all. Like, Lamar can't throw the ball accurately. Tyler Huntley can't throw the ball. It doesn't go anywhere. So, yeah. and somehow Anthony Brown's got an even weaker arm. It's just incredible. Sure. That being said, I, uh, that being said, this past week, Cincinnati was trying in week 18. They wanted seeding. And the Ravens purposefully ran the most vanilla offense they could. And they let Anthony Brown throw the ball 44 times. They only lost by 11. They outgained the Bengals. All right, you have my attention. Sammy Watkins fumbled the ball and lost it. Anthony I, Brown, I saw that. Anthony Brown fumbled the ball and lost it. So you lost the turnover battle 4-1. to one, Two Anthony Brown picks throwing the ball when they should have not been doing that. And then two fumbles versus one fumble by the bank. Burrow fumble. Yes. They ran the ball effectively when they ran it. By the way, KJ, what's his fucking last name? Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Yep. J.K. Dobbins didn't play. Having a tough time with names, man. Dude, I know. J.K. Dobbins didn't play, though, which is why I was having a tough time. If he fucking played, I'd read his name off the box score. He didn't play at all. It was all Kenyon Drake, their third running back. So they played their practice squad quarterback, their third running back. Sammy Watkins was their leading receiver because they benched Deshaun... Oh my God, Deshaun Jackson. They benched him. They benched uh, Duvarney. They benched, uh, well, they didn't bench Demarcus Robinson, but they didn't play him very much. So you realize was, how sad that sounds? They benched Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, 35 year old Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's so old, and his career one. has been, Deshaun Jackson's career has been on the back burner for so long that people forget he got canceled for agreeing with Hitler last time he was on an active NFL roster. Oh. Yeah, like literally said Hitler that. had a point. On an Instagram story, and it's been so long. He was Kanye before Kanye. We, it's been so long. We forgot that shit. That's the time between him being a prominent player on an NFL team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was down to Sammy Watkins and Isaiah Likely as their receivers, their leading receiver. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. 
T. Higgins, they all played legit snaps. Joe Mixon, legit snaps. Joe Burrow, 42 passes. Bengals went balls out, scored 27 points despite winning the turnover battle 4-1. to Ravens played their backups and came 11 points short. And by the way, the line has continued moving. It is now 11 and a half at Caesars. Oh, wow. I'm I'm not going to make a full bet, okay? If I typically bet a unit on a football game, I think I've said... Five. And a half unit? No, I'm putting less than that. Typically, I bet about $2,000 per unit, and I bet about two units per game because I do double Kelly. I'm going to put $250 on the Ravens' money line for funsies because I think it's like plus five. Oh, okay. Yeah, just some beer money. Yeah. $250. Who doesn't drink that in beer? Uh, Maybe if you live in Manhattan still. Regardless, <laughs> I am going to put one unit on top of that on the Raven, which is like a lean for me. Like, I, I like it. I don't love it. But it's a playoff game, so I'm going to fucking bet it. I'm going to put a unit on the Ravens plus 11 and a half if I can find it. Okay. If only because... It's John Harbaugh. He's a great coach. He is. He will do the Vrabel shit if he has to and just shorten the game to increase variance and keep it close until the end when he loses by four. Yeah. No, no. He, you're right. You're not um, You're not wrong. Plus, do you, know, I, I, do you know how much I'm here for the fucking chaos in the media if Joe Burrow goes wild card and out against the Ravens without Lamar? Against the Ravens without Lamar. No. Yeah. And That's that would be... The public look, justice we deserve? That would, that would be uh, well for yes but it would also weird shit happens yeah right the weird like we always we we always we're always shocked by things yep in the playoffs and just in football in general what if this is just a weird thing you, you know how weird things typically happen mm-hmm. bad line play you got the Ravens' fierce defense. You know, maybe they're not as elite on the edges as they have been in years past, but JPP, Tyus Bowser, and Justin Houston combined for some pretty decent edge play. And sure. Hakeem Adeniji is starting at right tackle again because L. Collins is dead. Well, yes. I should be more careful with my words when talking about the back. Max Sharping is starting at right tackle, or right guard, rather, because uh, Kappa is Alex hurt. Kappa is hurt. So Jason Pierre-Paul, Tyus Bowser, and Justin Houston are going to take turns running through Hakeem Adeniji like a beaten horse. <laughs> Dude, that's how you lose games when you have a turnstile on the entire right half of your offensive line, and the left side's not that much better. Like Jonah Williams, I like Cordell Volson. I do not. Ted Karras, yep. purely mediocre at center. So all of a yeah, sudden, he's fine. All of a sudden, the Bengals' offensive line is arguably worse than last out of nowhere. And you're playing against a team that is creative with the rush, has two linebackers who blitz really well, and dare I say the best secondary in the NFL. Marcus Peters isn't what he was, but he still has the ball skills to compete with T. Higgins at the catch. And then Marlon Humphrey is one of few dudes I trust to legitimately go one-on-one with Jamar Chase all day. Plus, best free safety in the world, Marcus Williams, if you're, if you're betting with my money. Over the top. I just, there's too many. Now listen, the Bengals are good enough to overcome that. When you've got two elite receivers, a good slot, and a great running back with a good play caller who's aggressive goes downfield, and Joe Burrow has cleaned up most of his mistakes this year, anything can happen. But, God damn it. The matchups are favorable enough that if I'm getting almost two fucking touchdowns, I'd have to be crazy not to put a little something on it. Ugh. Two fucking Ugh. touchdowns. And, and, and you it. know, you know what they're going to do. John Harbaugh is sitting down right now with that weird, <laughs> angry Harbaugh menace on his face, and he's sitting down and saying, well, we got an advantage on defense. We got no quarterback. We got a good offensive line and a good running back. We're just going to run the ball. Each team's going to get six possessions in this game. And even if we lose, we're going to keep it to eight points. And make it as ugly as possible. Yeah. Be some fucking variable shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to. 
Ugh, God, you're right. Shit. It's going to be gross. It's going to suck. Don't watch this game. If you're going to watch this game, drink or have your girlfriend over. Something to distract you because it's going to suck. But I'm telling you. I'll this game on Sunday play. night? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Ah, that's gross. That was terrible. But we do get Al Michaels for it. That's fun. With Tony Dungy. Wait, I thought I thought Michaels was on Saturday night. Oh, you're right. This is this is Tarico and uh, what's his name? Collinsworth. Saturday night is Michael. Ah, man. Okay. God, I'm gonna be at a play on Saturday night. I'm gonna be at an '80s themed or an '80s ski lodge themed party. I don't know how to do that. I'm gonna figure it out. I wear a wear a jacket, man. I can't tell if it's a cocaine reference or what. I don't know. It feels like one. It really does, but you don't want to be the one who shows up to a party full of like upstanding civilians thinking that it's a cocaine thing. With a baggie of coke. Not not that I'm not gonna bring illicit drugs. I would never. But oh no. Simply, you know, masquerading as a cokehead from the 80s is different than masquerading as a skiing person from the 80s. Slightly. Absolutely. It is the 80s. I understand that when you graduate high school, they give you a diploma and a little bag. But <laughs> regardless, I've incriminated myself enough. Yeah. What what okay, hearing my argument, you have to lean on this game. What do you lean? I'll let you use it as a teaser leg. You can combine it with the 49ers, which is a slam dunk. The 49ers is a slam dunk. Although again, these division games, fucking having to beat a team three times is always a little dicey. However, the 49ers are gonna beat the Seahawks. I like the Ravens getting eleven and a half points because you laid out a pretty convincing case. And I obviously like Cincinnati to win. I would be astounded if the fucking Tyler Huntley led Ravens with all the drama surrounding is Lamar going to leave? Is Lamar going to stay? Is Lamar going to play? He's going to leave. He's gone. Yes, he's gone. But with all that fucking drama, without like, I would be fucking shocked if they found a way to win this game. I like the value with the money line um, to put a tiny little sprinkle, kind of like you're doing. But if I had to lean one way, sure, I'll take the 11 and a half. And I like the I like the idea of a of a big teaser with and I know that this is dumb because these are three big lines. But I can do something dumb because I want to be a little bit fun. 49ers, Bills, Bengals. None of those teams are going to lose. And the Bills are going to run the Dolphins out of the stadium. Yeah, that's going to be – we're not talking about that game because it doesn't – it's not a game. It's a practice. Yeah. Bills are going to run the Dolphins out of the stadium. And this game, for as ugly as it might just be to watch aesthetically, I like, could you really see the Ravens winning it? No, I, I don't think so. I, I, and I, all plus yeah. on FanDuel, on FanDuel, you can you can put the teaser up to however much you feel comfortable, right? So mm-hmm. you want to do a nine point teaser to put it up to whatever, two and a half, the line's 11 and a half. You can do that. Yeah, I mean, you can do those three teams in a 10-point teaser on uh, DraftKings at minus 120 odds. So San Francisco, Francisco Moneyline, Bills minus three, Bengals Moneyline. Yeah. That, that's actually a pretty good teaser. There you go. Right. I actually, put a little beer money on that. We're going to make that the PBFG teaser of the week because I actually love that teaser as well. Yes. All right. All right. So, and for our final game of the week, Monday Night Football, we've got Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Buccaneers are currently catching two and a half, but you can get that number anywhere from three to one and a half. Three. Yeah. There's still a lot of threes out there. Okay. How are you feeling about this one? Okay. I'm probably asking the wrong person, but tell me why I shouldn't bet on the Buccaneers. Because I kind of want to. 
Well, you shouldn't bet on the Buccaneers because, I mean, they've sucked for most of the season. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're you're in some ways asking the wrong person, but in other ways, you're asking the exact right person. You're asking the person who's ranted about it on Twitter in the most egregious manner imaginable for the last four months. I mean, this team has been borderline unwatchable for essentially 17 weeks. I was going to say, I'm with you. They've been unwatchable for me for three weeks. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, outside of outside of when they let Tom just call the plays at the line of scrimmage, they are a disaster. And when and when they have to play catch up, and uh, those are essentially the same thing. And when you know when when they're down, but at the same time, I kind of like the Bucks too because there are just. I saw some things in that Carolina game that were very promising. That that run pass ratio got a little better. They were also starting to target down the field a little more. They were starting to target Evans and Godwin more. Uh, they've started to they've settled on okay, you know, Evans and Godwin are playing all the snaps now. Russell Gage is our number three receiver. We're done fucking around with the Scotty Millers and Brashad Perrimans of the world. Thankfully, we're pretty much done fucking around with Julio. Jones for the most part you know he'll he'll play in some heavier packages and you know he plays essentially 20 snaps a game which is fine I think that's a good dose of Julio Jones sure but I think they've just settled on the offense that they want to be personnel wise which is the first battle and I think the next battle that they needed to fight was the offense that they want to be play calling wise and for as long as it's taken there were very positive signs in the Cincinnati game there were very positive signs in the Carolina game there were very positive in the first half of Cincinnati. Yes, yes. And at the same time, I mean, look, the second half of the Cincinnati game, we don't even know. Like, they turned the ball over four straight possessions. Yeah, like in their own red zone. In their own territory. Like, they barely crossed midfield. They did not – I don't even know if they crossed midfield. We don't even know if, uh, like, what their real approach would have been. They couldn't get into a rhythm. They couldn't really do anything. They just shot themselves in the foot for the entirety of that second half. I genuinely think – and even that that Arizona game, Brady just missed Julio Jones – in the end zone wide open yep. uh, for a touchdown on the first drive of the game. So, and not to defend what they were doing on in that Arizona game. That was disgusting, but I just, a part of me thinks that it's the playoffs. This team is going to wisen up and they kind of like Brady, especially owns the Cowboys. They've had the Cowboys number. I, I just, I like it. I don't know. I think there's some positive kind of inertia from past playoff runs that they can take and, and say, okay, yeah, we, we can do this and it's a new season. And I, I genuinely think that they believe it's a new season. Yeah. Well, actually to that point, so Alonzo and I have basically made this entire Tampa Bay journey with Tom Brady together from day one. That is true. And I don't, I mean, actually, I know you recall because Alonzo's got like a ridiculous photographic memory about certain Tom Brady related football things. But you will recall <laughs> about a week after it was actually it was the week after their bye, the first Brady year, the Super Bowl year, they played the Vikings. And we said, OK, yes. you're going to come out after the bye and they're going to look sick because they're going to figure all the shit out. And it's going to stop looking so dysfunctional and shitty and just generally ignorant on offense. And they won that game, but it still looked really frustrating. It didn't look polished or clean ever. And at that point, I gave up. 
and said, I don't know if it's Brady. I don't know if it's Leftwich, but whatever the fuck it is, it's not getting fixed. Yeah. And then the playoffs came and it got fixed like that. Sure. Last year, frustrating, a little bit less so. Their offense was a little bit less clunky. But towards the end of the year, again, we found ourselves saying, yeah, they'll turn it on when they get in the playoffs. But right now, this is very frustrating to watch. I hate this. And then the playoffs yeah. came around. And even though the Rams game was a bit of a clusterfuck in the first half, they ended up turning things around and playing fairly, I don't want to even say efficient, but just not brain dead full. Sure. We say it almost every week on this podcast. Alex and I say, if the Buccaneers could just stumble ass backwards into a slightly below average game plan and coaching, you know, performance, they would be unstoppable. And yes. if, they, if they get even the slightest bump from pulling out all the stops and feeling like it's go time because it's the playoffs and it's really the final, the final run. If they get even a 5% bump and all of a sudden they're still the worst coaching staff in the NFL, but like by a smaller margin. <laughs> this game. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. And I mean, to your point, I think last year they win the Super Bowl. It was just a personnel issue, right? Yeah. Like last year they lost, they fucking lost the crazy person two weeks before the playoffs. Yeah. Took his shirt off and did jumping jacks off the field. Like that was. Now he takes his pants off. control over that. Now he takes his pants off and puts Snapchat stories himself naked. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. That was pretty funny. Yeah. But uh, they lost Godwin a month before the playoffs. Really, when you lose that much just firepower offensively, it's going to be really hard. The difference between last year's team and this year's team, last year's team, it was a tough watch because for as much as Brady should have won the MVP and Brady threw, whatever, 41 touchdowns and they could have played a lot better. Brady could have thrown 55 touchdowns last year. Absolutely. (laughs) So they were a tough watch. They were not healthy coming into the playoffs. They were limping into the playoffs. This year's team, I think it was Leftwich that said it and he's right. It might have been the most intelligent thing he said. I'll see They're the healthiest they have been since OTAs. Everyone, every player of relevance to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to play in this game outside of Shaq Barrett. Yeah. And I think that includes Ryan Jensen, by the way, because they have gone from the last two weeks just ruling him out, out of hand, like, no, he's not going to play, to playing it coy on Monday. Oh, we'll direct those questions to Todd and then Todd saying, oh, we don't know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, his window's getting closer to closing yada yada and then today bowl saying oh well he has to pass some tests it seems like jensen is gonna play and jensen is like a cut from that logan mankins cloth of if there's a chance he'll play he'll probably play it's the playoffs yeah i think jensen's gonna play and hainsey has been good this year but let's face it jensen is probably the best center in the nfl he's up there he's, top, he's, he's, like he's top three. up there he's top three top five at worst yeah so you have that element coming back and i think that's an emotional lift to the team at worst yeah it'll also here's the thing so hansey's been really good and the whole time you've been talking i've been thinking yeah but jensen's you know what about 30 31 years old he's coming off of an inch a very bad injury and he's coming off it early he hasn't played all year he's going to be rusty i've heard a lot from browns fans that rust is a thing so oh no so and apparently no amount of lubricating oil can stop that rust from a accumulating. <laughs> regardless, the one thing that I think that Jensen adds to the Buccaneers that Hainsey simply can't, regardless of how athletic he might be in comparison to Jensen at this stage right now, Jensen is a savvy veteran 
And the number one problem with this Buccaneers team in all facets, and that includes the offensive line, is just missed assignments and skull fucking. Yeah. And if Jensen yep. can get on the line and organize the protections a little bit better, maybe, just maybe, that could be the difference between Donovan Smith looking like a borderline pro bowler the last two years and looking like a practice squatter this year. Maybe yes. that's all it takes. Yes. And it's funny. Up. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter this year about the Bucks, especially the interior of the offensive line really struggling with stunts mm-hmm. and really struggling when essentially defensive lines just make it muddy up in there for for their offensive line and when they run twists and games and just they do their fuckery for the offensive line and I think that that's a lot of center and cerebral kind of offensive line stuff where you know I'm not necessarily qualified to speak on that but from what I know it seems like a lot of that it just comes down to the center organizing protections and getting shit in gear and and that no seems problem. like something that Jensen can help with. This is also, okay, another reason not to fear Jensen being rusty if he plays is that it's the fucking Cowboys defense. They're built like the Browns are where they have no defensive tackles. Yep. yep. I'm, I'm not afraid of Dorrance Armstrong or, oh my God, they have, is that Leonard Hankins? No, Jonathan Hankins. Jonathan Hankins, that's what I mean. Same, same guy. Yeah, so they have Jonathan Hankins <laughs> and and Dorrance Armstrong. Oh, so did Jizuwa. Sure, but I'm not concerned with any of those three. Now, when they slide Tank Lawrence, inside that's a little bit more difficult to handle that's problematic but still they have two defensive linemen in any given play it's it's Lawrence and Parsons and the rest is so I'm not worried they don't run a particularly diverse blitzing scheme it's it's Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn's grown a lot and learned a lot he doesn't just run standard base cover three defense every snap anymore but it's not like it's not some Dean P's exotic shit here so I don't think even if Jensen plays even if he's rusty it'll actually kind of be a nice way to ease him back in yeah and by the way now we're as we're recording this everyone on the box outside of actually Nick Leverett, Hainsey, and Vita Vea. Everyone of relevance was a full participant in practice today. Oh, and Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan is limited with a knee injury, but he'll play. It looks good. So, okay, and so you can run and off... Vita's, out- Vita's going to play. Vita's going to play with his cap injury. Vita yeah. Bowles said last week that he could have played. No, he'll play. I expect this to be... Do we know if Akeem Hicks is playing? He's playing? Yeah, he's not even on the injury report. Okay, as long as you've got those two inside, first of all, it means you get Hall off the field, which is huge because Logan Hall Logan Hall is atrocious Logan I, didn't Hall think, play. I didn't think he'd be good I didn't think he was a true defensive tackle I didn't know it would be like this this is t- no he cannot play I thought he would be a good backup and he has been a bad third stringer like in yeah, he cannot play um but if you've got the two old war horses in the middle with you know Anthony Nelson who I think should be a defensive tackle, but he's playing outside at the very he's least. He's been good on the outside. You know what? Yes. J.J. Watt was a defensive tackle too, and he played on the outside quite a bit as well. So like, it's yeah. viable. And I I mean, obviously Anthony Nelson's not J.J. Watt. Do not get that confused. Do not let their skin confuse you. But <laughs> at the least, it means that their front four is going to be really stout versus the run. And Devin White, when he's not overrunning rush lanes, will also be a weapon in the run. So yeah. shut that out real quick. Yeah. I don't know why PFF has Logan Hall in here as a starter because he is not playing much. No, I mean, this is nickel. So like, if you go to base, he's even, even there, he, I know. even there, he, he, I mean, it's more Golston and it's the Golston most, and Hicks. It's the most useful lineup. Even in his roaches. Yeah. Um, on, on the Cowboys side, when is the last time you watched Dak Prescott and how disgusting was it? Well, last week I had a, uh, I can't even keep up. What is it? Commanders? Commanders fan tell me that 
It was one of the grossest performances. I I graded um, this the season by a quarterback. I graded it this morning. It was okay. He was accurate. I'm not shitting you. He was accurate on 43 percent of his passes. That's not completion. Wow. That's accurate. So like dropped passes in his favor. 43.75. Yeah, he threw two consecutive pickables to open up the game. The first was dropped. The second was a touchdown <laughs> for the for the Commanders. Yeah, for the Commanders. It's, 16 inaccurate throws plus two pickles. The dude has fallen all season. I've been bragging about how I'm so proud that Dak Prescott literally comes within a half percentage of average when you compare like league average rates on all the grades of throws that I make. Yeah. Last eight, week 18 was so bad that he is now below average in every metric. Wow. Yeah. So it's bad. And I've I noticed that it gets really bad whenever he has any pressure. He cannot handle any, any muddiness in his pocket, which is weird because he's so athletic, but it just, he starts throwing balls at the ground. Yeah. That's where that's where missing uh, Barrett hurts, but that's where having Bowles helps because Bowles can scheme up pressure better than most of the defensive minds in the NFL. As, as much as I hate Bowles, he certainly can scheme up pressure. And this offensive line for the Cowboys has holes in it. There are ways to attack it. Um, yeah. They have Tyron Smith back at right tackle, and I assume that... Tyler. They have Tyler Smith it's, at left tackle. Is it Tyler Smith at left tackle? Oh, they're wow. Keep, they're keeping the rookie at left tackle because they don't want to mess with his head. And Tyron Smith was like, look, I'm okay. a veteran. I know how to do both. It's fine. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, like a little bit of a handicap on Tyron Smith for moving across the formation, but he's yeah. one of the best in the world and a savvy old veteran. He'll be fine from a mental standpoint. He'll be fine. Yeah. Zach Martin's still a killer. Tyler Biotish has actually kind of underwhelmed me this year. I thought he was going to really step up and be a good center for them. It's not happening. And then Connor McGovern mm-hmm. is pure replacement level. Yeah. Um, I think Vita, Vita, if he's going to have his way with a couple guys, it'll be McGovern and, and Biotish. Exactly. So, and, and that's what's going to happen too, is you're going to have to double team Vita Bea because you always do. And he'll be able to go up against their two weakest players, which leaves both of the Smiths, the tackles, one-on-one and Zach Martin just unfortunately destroying Akeem Hicks's dreams. But yes. God forbid you ever bring Devin White, he's going to be clean. He's either going to be yeah. clean or going up against a bad line. So I think that there are mismatches to exploit, and I think that Todd Bowles is uniquely qualified to do it. And then on the outside, the Bucks finally have all four of their top corners, if you count Winfield as a slot corner. Yeah, yeah, they do. And it hasn't been that way for most of the season. They've had to really piece it together in the secondary. You've seen a disgusting amount of Zion McCollum and Dita Laney, yep. but and Keanu Neal. And Keanu Neal. We need to never see him again. God, I mean, God say Keanu Neal is a major part of the reason the Bucks are in the playoffs. <laughs> that hit he laid on yeah. who was it, Jawan Johnson? Yeah. That saved that might have saved the Bucks season. And he has been the definition of just replacement level, but I do not want to see Keanu Neal on the football field because I'm I'm very fine with my trio of Winfield, Ryan, and Edwards. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, regardless. I, I think it's really good to have Carlton Davis back too, because he's not like a he's not a true bona fide cornerback one, but no. he's really good with possession receivers. And both Noah Brown and CeeDee Lamb are possession receivers. Now you obviously you'd prefer to have Jamel Dean on C. CD Lamb all day. Yeah. I was going to say, Jamel Dean has been their cornerback one this year. Jamel Dean has been outstanding. He's been legitimately great. And honestly, I didn't see it coming because up until this year, he was really talented, but just couldn't handle any fakery. Like any double move, he bites. Yeah. He just busted yeah. coverages 
all the time biting, which, you know, yeah. so fast and so athletic. He's quick and fast. It, you know, it's frustrating to watch, but it seems he's figured shit out because I don't think I've seen him bite one time where he shouldn't have this year. Well, and the funny thing, up, up until this year, it was Carlton who was yeah. the cornerback one. It was yep. Carlton who was the cornerback one, the clear cornerback one. In training camp, the Bucks had uh, Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting competing for who would be uh, cornerback two, which I thought was hilarious, right? Because I thought it was just Todd Bowles being an idiot and making a essentially not nominal thing out of nothing because cornerback two and cornerback three play the same amount. And then I remember they came out in week one and Winfield was playing the slot. So it was actually a pretty big deal that Dean won that competition. And then Dean came out and Dean was fantastic. And Dean was better than Davis throughout the season. Dean was pretty durable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's going to get, he's a free agent this year. He's going to get a bag. Yeah, no, he's going to get paid. And honestly, I think it'll be worth it because I think he's scheme versatile. I mean, oh yeah, he showed this year he can play zones and he's a man corner first. So I'm I'm re- I'm high as the sky on him. And then yeah, yeah Tom Murphy Bunting is a legitimately fine second cornerback. Nothing wrong with him. Yeah, so there's some variance to his game. I will say, like you're always a little bit scared. But the positive plays with him are very positive. He'll he'll give you some really good splash plays. I definitely, I'll say this, I'll like my chances with uh, the Cowboys' complimentary receivers against, as the Bucs, I'm saying, I like my chances with Gallup and Noah Brown against Dean and Murphy Bunning. Yeah. So the, the question then, the only question remaining is if you're Kellen Moore, you're the Cowboys offensive coordinator, how would you attack this Bucks defense? Because I really think that's where this game is going to come down. Well, I would say, and this was Kellen Moore's game plan actually in the opener back yep. in, in uh, 2021. He got them in a lot of heavy personnel packages. He got the Cowboys in a lot of heavy personnel packages and he made the Bucks stay in base. And that was a really interesting game plan because he he basically dictated who was on the field for the Bucks. Um, he he said, "All right, um, we don't have at the time they had the horses at receiver. They lost. I think it was Gallup made a game, but that plan worked for them. Bowles didn't really know what to do with it. I assume Bowles would have a better plan for it this time around. Yeah. But I kind of like that plan if I'm the Cowboys this time around, just because a it gets better players on the field. I like the idea of having Jake Ferguson on the field over having Noah Brown on the field from the Cowboys. Uh, I also like the idea of putting Zeke and Pollard on the field at the same time to the extent that that is a novel thing and that, you know, I... I don't know how much at a certain point there's diminishing returns, I think, to pony personnel. But, you know, um, I, I think they'll try to get the Bucks in heavy personnel and limit the amount of defensive backs they can put on the field. I think they'll at the same time, like, you know, if you get the Bucks in in heavier personnel, you do what um, the Bucks. What do they play? Well, they play a lot uh, of nickel, but their base is 3-4. Their base is 3-4, but they, they'll play probably a big nickel with Winfield in in the slot or matching up against the tight end and Ryan. So the Bucks are more well-equipped, I would say, this year to handle it than in past years. I was going to say, because they, who do you they were more, they were more, yeah, I think the Bucks are better equipped to handle it this year than they were in past years. Because in, in the past, they wouldn't, it was it was infuriating about the Bucks. They, uh, I remember in the opener in 2021 when the when the Cowboys went to their bigger personnel packages, the Bucks actually matched it by putting Joe Tryon on the field as a third linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they would have three, essentially three edges on the field. And Tryon was like this new athletic toy that Bowles was trying out and it didn't work. I don't think that would happen this year. I don't think that Bowles would be chomping at the bit to put Carl fucking Nassib on the field. I was going to say, they don't I think really if, have a third guy who can play linebacker. Exactly. I think if anything, it'll be Keanu Neal. Yeah. And and maybe uh, Logan Ryan comes off or Edwards comes they, off and, and Keanu would, plays in the box. I think they would probably put Logan Ryan and Winfield in the backfield and then they'd bring Edwards up. Or or Neal plays in the box. Yeah. Or even Winfield plays in the box. Winfield is, is good enough and tough enough and versatile enough to do it. But if I'm the Cowboys, if I'm predicting what the Cowboys are going to do, I'm predicting just, you know, a heavy dose of that kind of quick game, heavier sort of packages. Try to exploit Devin White in coverage. Try to exploit Devin White. Yeah. Try to not let Devin White get downhill. Because Devin White ruined the game for them in week one. Yeah. Devin White had a monster game in week one. And I'm sure they won't uh it won't be trying to let that happen again. But okay, here's here's the final yeah. question. Because this is this is really it. If you can answer this question, you can answer the whole game. Will oh. halfback dive work? Because they're gonna run it. Will it work? It worked in week one. I don't know how they stop it. They don't have they have no horses on the defensive line other than Demarcus Lawrence. Like I love Micah Parsons to death. He can't stop the run as a defensive end. No, if they stand him up, maybe worked in week one. You got Jensen back. Now I think it might. If they it get, might work. If they get three yards of carry on first down. Do they win this game? Because I think they might. Three and a half. Three point three yards of carry. Eh, maybe. I kind of, I, I just, I, I like the Bucks. I like the matchup. I, it's a, it's a good matchup for them. I don't know. Like, it feels weird to say. I've been complaining about this team all year. They're underdogs. They're underdogs for a reason. But I just, and you know what? I, I, I like how the, the playoff field is kind of set up for them. I'm gonna come out and say it. I like, I hate myself for doing it. I feel icky. Feel disgusting because they've stunk all year. But I just, I believe in the, the mystique and the magic of Tom Brady and you know you can come back and flip this if they lose by 20 because they've sucked but god damn it man like everyone I've just been hearing all about how the best team in the NFC is quarterbacked by Brock fucking Purdy and I'm sitting here and I'm saying the most talented team in the NFC is still the Bucks. And it's still quarterbacked by the greatest quarterback of all time, who is still playing at a very high level. He's definitely the best quarterback left in the NFC. I would, oh, probably, yeah. I would probably take the Eagles roster agnot- agnostic of quarterback as the best. Yeah. But you know what? You're Okay, so the NFC champion is going to have to beat either Philly or San Francisco or both. I think Tampa Bay is the only team that can beat either of those teams, right? Like Because Philly and San Francisco are going to want to run the ball on you and bully you. And the Bucs are the only team with a defense that can stop the run. Yeah. No one else can stop the run. And then Tom yep. Brady makes your offense unlimited. Yes. And I keep coming back to Ben Solak's thread after the Eagles barely beat the Colts. I don't know if you remember this thread, but it was the game-winning drive from that Eagles-Colts game. Just how the Eagles said, we're not going to let Jalen Hurts throw. And that to me says, the Eagles, like Jalen Hurts has been very productive all year. He's been good. He's been very good all year. He's been very productive. When it's nut-crunching time, 
I don't know if I trust Jalen Hurts. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I just it's the it's it's just shaping up, man. It's shaping up. It's funny because people are gonna complain. And if it happens, people they're gonna look back on it and they're gonna say, Oh, of course. What did they beat? They beat the fucking cowboys, and then they beat a fraudulent whatever team with Brock fucking Purdy at quarterback, and then maybe Jalen Hurts, who gives a shit? Like, oh, of course. Uh. Yep. And they're gonna complain, but in two years hindsight. Everybody's going to say this was super easy for the Bucs if they make a run. Yep. Nope. Currently, currently people would say it. Currently, people would say it. But it's set up. To your point that the Eagles are afraid of letting quarterback or uh, Jalen Hurts throw downfield. I actually, this morning, not joking, this morning I came up with a new metric, a new way to analyze the data that I compile when I grade all of these games, right? I've graded 6,941 snaps from starting quarterbacks this year from like 20 different starting quarterbacks. I got six games. Wow. From- yeah. This stat that I have is, it's literally just, it's accuracy percentage, but you take away all of the routine throws, all the checkdowns, all the screens, all the shit that your eighth grade starting quarterback could make, right? Yes. So it's only positive throws, bad throws, and pickable throws. And the lead sure. average amongst starters is 46% completion percentage on all of these throws that are either positive or negative, not the neutral. 46% okay. is the average. Jalen Hurts, third lowest amongst actual bona fide starting quarterbacks with 41.3%. There you go. It's it's it, by the way, Tom Brady, as proof that the stat seems to be onto something, 55.8%, almost 10% above average. Okay. So I agree. The path is there. They just they need their coaching to kind of stay the fuck out of the way, but all right, that's going to do it for us. Sorry for how choppy and abrupt all the different games were. It kind of sounds like they were all done separately because they kind of were. But I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope we brought you some value. Happy Super Wild Card Weekend, as super as a couple of blowouts can be. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Till then, enjoy pumpkin season. Asta.